0: And likewise, Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. Beside all this between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from thence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldst send him to my father's house. For I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come to this place of torment. Amen. Abraham saith unto him, They have Moses and the prophets. Can we read that together? Abraham saith unto him, They have Moses and the prophets. And then he said, Let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they would repent. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one be rose from the dead. And then look back at verse number 16. The law and the prophets were until John, and since that time, the kingdom of God is preached, and every man presseth into it. And I want to preach to you from this subject tonight, hear the word of the Lord. Amen. Let's lift our hands and ask the Lord's anointing to be with us. Come on, we really need the help of the Lord. We don't want to just preach a sermon and have a little church here. We really need the help of the Lord in this place tonight. Oh, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost. Come on, let's press on in. Oh, come on. Can we press on in tonight? Oh, every spear of the enemy, the Lord rebuke. Oh, great and glorious God. Come on, everybody. Can we press in to his presence? We need your touch, Lord. Oh, we need your great spirit, almighty God. The work of your hand. Come on, come on, come on. Oh, blessed, glorious, matchless Savior. Woo, come on, we need to get in His presence right now. Oh, unity of the Spirit here today. Oh, now let's clap our hands to the Lord and lift our voices unto God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Woo. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Oh, glory, 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 glory. Amen, amen. Well, you're feeling a little better here tonight. Praise God. Hallelujah. God bless you. You can be seated. I believe all of us would agree this evening that we're living in a time when men would tend to value their own opinions more than they would what the Word of the Lord says. The Bible speaks of a time when man walked which was in, in a way that was right in their own eyes. And certainly we're living in those days today. I, I was not aware until we visited the city a few weeks ago uh, that uh, I, I was aware that it was a very wicked city, a very beautiful city, but a very wicked city, but... Uh, we, we, we visited the city of San Francisco just a couple of weeks ago. And I did not realize until we arrived in the city that they had recently passed a law uh, legalizing nudity, public nudity. They felt like that was the right thing to do in their own eyes. Now, it wasn't right in our eyes, but it was right in theirs. I didn't see anybody, just for the record. We're living in such a weird day I won't be going back to San Francisco by the way until they've changed the law. It is a beautiful city but 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 we're living in such a crazy world where where it seems like if there are any parameters people want to do away with them if there are any boundaries we we're just gonna well I'm feeling the preacher coming in here already hallelujah. If there are any parameters, if there are any boundaries, let's just just cut the fence wire and uh, uh, pull the boards down. And, you know, we don't need all that. Let us just do what we want to do, how we want to do it, where, and, and, and live according to the way that we think that we ought to live and the way that we want to live instead of having some kind of policy that we're going to live by. I heard uh, uh, of a person... I didn't see it because I don't have a television, but, but I heard of, a, of a, a, a television personality that was conducting her show, and, uh, and during the process of her show, she was, she was talking about certain things and how they related in life and, and was asking opinions of her audience, and someone in the audience just happened to speak up and said, well, the Bible says such and such about whatever the issue was. And this is what the Bible says. And this woman, whose initials are O-W, amen, had the audacity to say, I don't believe that God would really do that. Now, her opinion was that what I think God will do and what God's word says that he will do is two different things. And therefore, what I think that he will do, amen, is the reality of what he's going to do. In other words, my perception or my perspective. And we're living in that kind of a world today. That, that it really don't matter what the Bible says. If I think differently, everything is just in such a state of flux that, that what was written way back then doesn't even apply anymore. That really is the attitude in a whole lot of places. That's the reason cities can pass laws that it's legal for you to just run around in your birthday suit if you want to. Now, I'm not talking about something somebody bought you from Dillard's or Nordstrom either. Or J.C. Penney or whatever. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. But, but there is what we've got to understand here. That's a famous French uh, clothing store, J.C. Penney. What we've got to understand and reiterate and even be more adamant about than ever before and passionate about than ever before is that our lives and everything about them must be based on and built around the Word of God. Now, everything in this Word, everything, amen, and uh, there are some things that are very, very clear-cut and well-defined. Praise God! got very, very clear cut, very well defined, very easily understood the distinction between a male and a female and how they dress and, and, and hair and, and all of it's very clear in the word of God. There, there are, however, other things that are, we understand in principle and precept and, and God gives a man of God certain certain parameters to work in. Amen. Just like, and you've heard the analogy, I'm sure, brother. Brother Booker wrote a wonderful book and preached a message a number of years ago. The difference a line can make, and and uh, he talked about how God gave Moses the authority to put the. He just said, put bounds around the mountain. Well, he asked the question, where does the mountain begin? And he gave that man of God the authority to draw those lines. I'm thankful for men of God that draw lines in safe places. Even some, some folks, some folks want to live halfway up the mountain and say they're not on the mountain yet. They're still in the safe place. Praise God! It's like the it's like the man that uh, the king that was looking for someone to to, to be his um, his chariot driver, his chauffeur, a man. And, and and he said, uh, "I'm looking for somebody." And, and he began to interview these men, and he said, "How close to the edge of the cliff can you get and still be safe?" And how fast could you go? And he said, "Well, I tell you what, I could, I could get one. One of them said I could get within two feet of the cliff, and, and 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 just be sailing along at top speed, and we'll be fine. I'll never turn you over the edge of the cliff." And he said, "Okay." Brought the next guy in. He said, "The last fella could get two feet from the edge, and 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 everything be all right. How close can you get?" He said, oh, King, I could get within three to six inches of the edge of the cliff on the trail, and and we could just be high speed ahead and." and we'll be just fine. And king says, all right. And he brings the next guy, and he says, how close to the edge of the cliff can you get, and we'll still be safe? He said, oh, king, I'll stay away as far away from the edge of the cliff as I possibly can. The king said, you're hired. I, I, can, I can never understand why some people always want to push the limit. Live just as close to the edge, Amen. It's kind of like, kind of like the guy that was riding the horse. He said, uh, "Up the mountain pass," and he said, "One one stirrup was up against a ledge, and the other one was hanging off the edge of another of, of a cliff." I mean, that's that's pretty precarious, Amen. And and here we are. Some people want to live just pushing the limit, Amen. Now, how do I get way off on all that? Everything that we, everything about our lives is based upon and must be based upon and centered around the Word of God. The Word of God tells us how to live. The Word of God tells us Amen, uh, uh, things about... Conduct and, and interaction with others It talks about our finances It talks about our dress it, it talks about our attitude It talks about our salvation It talks about our healing Everything in our lives Every question of our lives We can find an answer in that old word of God That's been so true and tried And we'll be standing when All of the philosophical books And textbooks and college campuses Have crumbled down to nothing There's still going to be the word of God When the New Age movement is gone... When the gay rights activist movement is completed and it's finished, and I could name so many, and when it's all said and done, when the United States government and, and, its civil, uh, uh, and all of its laws and civil laws and, and the Constitution is just a, uh, a distant memory, there's still going to be the Word of God that is standing secure and strong. Powerful. <laughs> Hallelujah. And so we find in this word of God, in the book of Luke chapter 16, we read a story about two men. One was rich and the other was poor. One was apparently pretty healthy and the other one was sick. One was a beggar. Man, one fared sumptuously and one had to beg for the things of his sustenance. Both of these men died. Lazarus, the beggar, was carried to Abraham's bosom. The Bible said the The rich man, on the other hand, went to hell. The Bible said that in hell he lifted up his eyes being in torment. And he saw the one that he despised being comforted, Lazarus the beggar. And he saw Father Abraham and he said, would you send Lazarus to where I'm at? And and, and would you let that one that I despise in my life just put his finger in water And cool my tongue with just a drop, just just the tip of his finger to touch my tongue. And Father Abraham said, it's impossible. It's impossible. You see, there's something that happened when you were living. You were building a great gulf. It was being fixed in your life. And he said, there is a great gulf that is fixed between you and me. He can't go to where you are. You can't come to where he is. And so it's impossible that you could, that you could get this relief. And so when this rich man, when it was determined that, that he wasn't going to have any comfort from, from the flames and the torment of hell, then he made another request. He said, well, he said, I've got five brothers I don't want my five brothers to experience what I'm experiencing. I don't want them to have the torment of hell. And so, since Lazarus can't come to me, would you send him to them? That he may testify unto them, amen, so that they would not come to this place. Father Abraham Continues in the conversation and he says, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. Now, Moses' bones were decaying, John the Baptist had been beheaded. The prophets, man, had been laying in their resting places for a mighty long time. How could Father Abraham speak to this rich man concerning his brethren and tell them that your brothers have Moses and the prophets? Moses is not living. The prophets have gone off the scene. How do they have Moses and the prophets? Amen. I believe uh, today that that what the message that was ringing through very clearly to that man was that if your brothers are going to be saved, they have been given the same opportunity that you had when you were in this life. You see, there's something in every little city, and every little place, that's called a synagogue, and in that synagogue, there are scrolls, and there are writings, and there are books, and these books are the recorded words of Moses and the prophets. You see, when God, I believe, when God put Moses in that cleft of the rock, when he said, show me. Thy glory i believe that it was during these times of communion with god that moses had that he revealed to moses man the things that had happened before the time of moses from the very beginning and moses took up pen and hand as he was inspired by god and wrote in the beginning god created the heavens and the earth and he wrote genesis and he wrote exodus and he wrote Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy. These are the writings of Moses. And then we find the Old Testament prophets that wrote these words, amen, concerning the coming Messiah, concerning so many things that had happened and were going to happen. And they put them down. The Bible said holy men of old wrote as they were moved on by the Holy Ghost. And from generation to generation, many of these things were preserved. And that's why that when Jesus went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as his custom was, the Bible said he stood up for to read. And he read from what? He read from the prophet Isaiah. Amen, another words, brethren. Another words, rich man. If your brothers are going to be saved, they're going to have to get up, amen, and they're going to have to go to the house of the Lord, and they're going to have to make their way to the synagogue, and they're going to need to be there on the Sabbath day when the leaders of the synagogue open the books and begin to read. When he said they have Moses and the prophets, I believe what he was really saying is they have the Word of God. Praise God. Praise God. They have. Moses and the prophets. They have the writings of Moses and the writings of the prophets. And this to them was and to us is the word of God. Amen. this is what they're going to do. If they're going to be saved, if they're going to miss this torment, it's not going to be because a dead man came out of his grave and when and testified to them in their house, it's going to be because they opened their ears and heard the word of the Lord. Hallelujah. But that rich man, that, that, that rich man said, Oh, no, 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 that, that's not what I want. That's that's not what I want. You see, I I want a I want a special I want a special envoy. I I, I want a special delivery. I, I want a special in, in, invitation for my brethren. If if one would go to them from the dead, boy, stir them up. It'd get their attention. It, it'd really get a hold of them. And, and it'd make them want to serve you. And it'd keep them from coming to this horrible place. And that, that father Abraham said, oh, no, 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 no. No, no. He said, if they won't hear Moses and the prophets. Oh if they won't hear the word of the Lord, neither neither will a visitation from the grave, neither will one coming back from the dead do any good for them. Amen. No, no, if they're going to be saved, they're going to go according to the way that I plan. If they're going to make it to a place of peace instead of going to a place of torment, they're going to have to get in the vehicle that I designed to carry us there. And that is through the preaching of the word of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. I met a lot of folks in my life that want some kind of special big deal to happen for them. Amen. I got an old uncle. I love him dearly. Thank God he got his head screwed on straight and he's serving God today. But he was waiting and I don't want to get in a big argument with you about prophecy. I refuse to do it. Amen. But he was waiting for the tribulation to begin to get in the church. Amen, because according to his way of understanding that he'd have a certain amount of time before the coming of the Lord once he knew the tribulation started, da-da-da. Thank God he got his mind in gear and got under conviction and got in the church, praise the Lord. Amen, but, but, but a lot of folks just want some kind of weird deal to happen for them. You know, that's why, that's why, that's why a, a, a church... Uh, somewhere between Washington and Miami, Florida, he, man, back in 1988, had over 400 people supposedly receive the Holy Ghost. Amen. Because somebody wrote a book about 88 reasons. Any of y'all remember that? 88 reasons why Jesus was coming in 1988 and stirred up the world. Amen. And stirred up Pentecost. And people were having revivals. and. Amen. But you know what happened after, was it September 11th, 12th, the 13th, something like that? It was one of those three days, amen, that Jesus was supposed to come. And I remember I was taking my ASVAB test in high school. Praise the Lord. And, and he didn't come. I forgot to look at the time it was supposed to come. I was taking that test to see if the military wanted me, I guess. And, uh, amen. But but that that time came and went. And people that got stirred up and churches built new buildings because of this. Landslide in time revival that they were having, but after September came and went of 1988, and not all of them, but a vast majority of people prayed through during that time. They walked out, and so Mister, what was his name? Wisnett? He wrote another book the next year. Eighty-nine reasons why Jesus is coming. Y'all remember that one? It didn't make the splash that the '88 one did, because people kind of by the time 1990 rolled around, he'd lost his sales. they dropped off dramatically. But then 10 years later, we had Y2K. And boy, this is it. Our computers are going to crash. All the lights around the world are going to go off. There's not going to be any more production of food. We're going to starve to death. You better find you a bunker and hunker down and get ready. Amen. And people really got stirred up. And A lot of people thought, well, this is the end. We better get prayed up. We better." But you know what? 12.01 a.m. January the 1st, uh, 2000 came and the lights didn't flicker. And the assembly lines kept rolling. And the computers didn't crash. Amen. Some of them might have said 1900 instead of 2000, but they kept on rolling. Amen. It didn't change a thing. And some of the people that got stirred up because of these big cataclysmic things uh, that they were looking for, they just turned and went back to living. I've got a... fellow that I know, I started to tell you who he was but I'm not going to, a fellow that I know, I remember a number of years ago he got in a horrible car accident and, and we thought surely he would die. He went through several surgeries and and uh, and, and it's, it, it looked as if at one point that he might die and he lay in that hospital room and he, he had been exposed to Pentecost and this apostolic truth and, and it was during that time that he got stirred up and he determined he was going to live for God and he got out of the hospital came to our church, repented of his sins got baptized in Jesus' name. God filled him with the Holy Ghost. We were so thankful for that for two or three months, and then the fear subsided of his possible death, and we found him back doing the things that he'd always done because there was something that was stirring him besides. The vehicle that God ordained to win people. Now, there are times when people do get frightened and scared. And they come to God. The Bible said... Save with fear, pulling them out of there. There's some that do, and they live for God. No, I'm not discounting that here today, Amen. But but there's another situation. How many of you remember? I know Pastor Dunlap does. Number of years ago, when the the space shuttle was coming back into the atmosphere and exploded over Texas and Louisiana, Amen. There was a there was a woman who was in my dad's church, the church my dad was pastoring in southwest Louisiana, that was riding along in her car with her backslidden daughter somewhere in southeast Texas, and they just happened to be looking in the direction that that, as that space shuttle was coming back into orbit, and they saw a flash in the sky, and that's all they saw. They didn't see debris, obviously it's too far. But they saw a flash in the sky and did not know what it was. And that backslidden daughter got so filled with fear that they pulled over on the side of the road and began to pray and repent before God because she thought she was witnessing the coming of the Lord and was not ready. But after a little while they look around, folks still driving down the highway. Turn the radio on and News reports start coming in of what has apparently happened. And as quickly as the fear came, it was gone. And so, rightly so, that Father Abraham would say to this rich man, No, a dead man coming for a visit's not going to get their attention. It may stir them up for a little while. But if they won't hear the Moses and the prophets, They're not going to be stirred by anything else. Can I tell you tonight, my friend, that if you and I are going to be saved, it's not going to be because Hollywood has produced a new movie about the passion of the Christ to get somebody's attention. Amen. It's not going to be because of some cataclysmic event that takes place. Amen. If we're going to be saved, it's going to be because one day we opened our ears and we heard the word of God. Praise God! Praise God! Oh no, no, Lord! I I, I want to dream. I. I want a vision. I want a divine visitation. I want an angel to step by my bedside and shake me awake in the middle of the night. Well, I'm not here to tell you that that couldn't happen. I know an old preacher, and I prayed this prayer a few times myself. I prayed for people, and he told us what he used to do. He say I pray God put rocks in their bed. They couldn't sleep at night. I prayed that prayer a few times myself. Stir them up, Lord. Whatever you have to do to them, get a hold of their heart. But when it's all said and done, people are going to be saved because they came to the house of God. They opened their ears. A preacher opened the Bible, and he began to preach. Not his philosophy, not his idea, not the newest idea or program that come out of headquarters somewhere, but the Word of God that's forever settled in heaven. Somebody clap your hands and give the Lord some great praise here today. Hallelujah. That's the plan that God has established. For in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 21, the Bible said it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that. Believed how is he going to save them that believe by the foolishness of preaching he didn't say by foolish preaching amen I said he didn't say by foolish preaching he said by the foolishness of preaching. I heard of a guy that got up at a meeting somewhere and he, he made the statement he said if if folks in your town don't don't consider you ignorant and unlearned then you're not apostolic Another preacher leaned over to the guy beside him and said, Boy, with the display of ignorance in this place, you don't have to advertise it. He didn't say foolish preaching. He said the foolishness of preaching. In other words, it doesn't make sense to the logic of man. It's not necessarily through reasoning or counseling or discussion or personal interaction. But it's the word of God that's anointed that comes through the mouth of a vessel that he's using. The foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. If you don't believe, you can't be saved. How are you going to believe? How are they going to believe in whom they have not heard? How are they going to hear about somebody? Amen. Or or how are they going to hear without a preacher? And how is he going to preach except he be sent? Some said some were called and some were sent. Some just got up and, and they just went. Praise the Lord. Thank God for God called preachers that have an anointing of the Holy Ghost upon their life that will impact the heart of the person that's hearing the word. I'm telling you. Ministries cannot be built upon personality. They cannot be built upon ability. They can't be built upon someone's personal strength. They've got to be built upon the only thing that's going to stand the test of time. And that is the power of the Word of God. It's that Word that's going to save. It's that Word that's going to deliver. It's that Word that's going to cause people to turn aside from their sin. Hallelujah, hallelujah, to save them that believe, that believe to come to God we must believe that He is and He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. I believe that word believe there is talking about that sinner, a man that hears the word and faith sparks in his heart and he says I can do that. I feel a tug. I feel the pull. We've witnessed it in this revival already and belief, amen, is triggered and faith is triggered in their heart and they respond because of their belief and come to an altar and repent and God fills them with the hope. Holy Ghost but it's not just talking about that initial belief he's also talking about the believer the one who has already believed and received but our continuance of salvation is going to come through the preaching of the word of God we have believed we do believe and we will believe therefore we're going to adhere to the word of God in our lives oh praise the Lord praise the Lord Amen, amen, amen. This is the way that God has chosen to operate. Thank God the way He speaks to us in various ways. But ultimately the way that we are going to... You see, there are people that that have based their entire salvation on a dream. A dream that might have been... Well, it wouldn't have been because they ate too much ragu spaghetti sauce before they went to bed because they didn't have that then. But, but, But dreams... That 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 began and were the foundation of a religion. Somebody went to sleep by a rock and had a dream, and an angel came down and gave him this revelation, and and this became the establishment of a religion. And there's no foundation of it in the Word. Amen. You see, that's not how we're built. That's not what we're built on. Oh no, no, no. What we are building on and what we are living on is this this Word that is forever settled in heaven. That's why, my friend, if you're in a church and perhaps you're visiting us here today and we don't want to be offensive to you, but but if if you're hearing things that that are being preached that perhaps you've never heard before, you ought to, just before you discount it and throw it away as some kind of heresy, you ought to look into the Word and see if it's there. And if it's there, then maybe you ought to go back and... And consider what you're not being told where you've been going. Well, I hope that wasn't too strong. Amen. Yeah, you see, we're not going to be saved according to what Oprah Winfrey thinks. It, it doesn't matter whether she believes God will do this or not. In fact, I'm not going to be saved even according to to what some denomination thinks and writes it down. No, it's going to be by, by the Word of God. By the Word of God. That's the only thing that's forever settled. So he didn't say, I'm going to give you a dream, I'm going to give you a vision, etc. He said, Amen. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and some teachers. What for? The perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. What are they put here for? They're here to preach the Word of God. Paul told Timothy, he said, Preach the Word. Be instant in season, out of season. When you feel like preaching, preach. Preach. When you got a head cold and you don't feel like preaching, preach anyway. Amen. When everybody's with you, preach. And when everybody's against you, preach anyway. Just keep on pushing. Just keep on preaching because that's the only hope that anybody has of being saved. Woo. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I know a number of years ago, and I I wasn't against it. I loved it at the time, but I remember that there was this thing that swept through Pentecost where everybody was having singings and 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 groups were being formed and put together and choirs and concerts and and groups and trios and quartets, and I'm not against it. In fact, I sang in a minister's quartet just a couple of months ago and enjoyed it. It was privileged to to be involved in that. He banned, but there were people that were moved by the singing, and, and they'd follow these groups all around the country and never got grounded in the word of God and when the singing group's going off off the stage and it's all over and there's no foundation that they were built upon they're swept away. I'm telling you the only hope for the church and the only hope for this world and the only hope for a cold complacent, carnal, backslidden saint is a preacher that's anointed that will preach the word of God Praise God. I appreciate I appreciate the good spirit of worship that's in this place. I appreciate the good spirit of prayer that's in this place. I appreciate the song selection, as I said this morning. Amen. Of you incorporating still in this church the old songs of Zion. Thank God for them. I get sick so and tired of all this fluffy mess that we're hearing in this day and time that doesn't have any meaning and doesn't say anything. But can I tell you, if we didn't have a song leader, if we didn't have an organ, if we didn't have a drum cage and a sound system, if we didn't have church pews, if all we could do was get out in the backyard somewhere and the preacher pull out a Bible and begin to preach the Word, then there's hope. I said there's hope. I said there's hope. Well, let me just go on ahead and bump what I'm feeling right now. Some folks can get an attitude, I don't need a pastor. Some folks can get an attitude, I don't need a man of God in my life. I know enough about the Word of God that I can just live according to my own devices and and my own understanding. Please don't fool yourself. Please don't fool yourself. No, 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 no. I believe in the importance of reading the Word of God. But he didn't say it pleased God by your reading the Word to save you. He said it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. To save them that believe. The foolishness. The foolishness of preaching. It. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make logical, reasonable sense that a preacher could get up and start yelling and screaming and loosen his tie up, get all sweaty and wore out and hollering at folks and people get up and start hollering back at him and there's something that takes place in the Spirit right there. There's a transfer of power from this Word to the heart of an individual that pricks the soul of the sinner and draws them to an altar to repent that gives faith to the one that's in trouble that says I can go a little further I can really live for God that doesn't make logical reasoning I said it doesn't make logical, reasonable intelligent sense to the intellectual but God says you know it don't matter if it makes sense to you or not if you won't hear the word of God, I could send you a legion of folks from the dead to parade through your house and it wouldn't affect you either. It might stir you up for a little while, but if you're going to be saved, it's going to be because you heard the word of God. <laughs> you see, it's the responsibility of the preacher to preach and thank God I'm, uh, you folks are blessed. Man to have a man of God in the pulpit and not just a man that wears a suit. Well, praise God. Hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. Praise the name of the Lord Jesus. Thank God for a preacher that will preach the word. And what a responsibility that we as the ministry have to preach the word. But can I tell you, the responsibility is twofold. It's not just the responsibility of the preacher to preach, but it's also the responsibility of the congregation to hear. Amen. And that means, hearing means more than just a realization that there's noise coming out of the speakers up there. Amen. Amen. You, my, my, my dad... You can be seated. My dad is, is, uh, has been very good all of my life of, of sitting and looking at you and you can talk to him and he don't know what you said because he's thinking about what he's going to be doing after a while or what he did yesterday. And my wife tells me I can do it too. It's not that I intend to. You know, we men are so presumptuous and, and so self filled and egotistical. Are we? Oh, don't look at me so piously. You know you are. And we think that what we're thinking is more important than what somebody else is saying. Well, it's about time for a marriage counseling seminar now. <laughs> now that I've got everything stirred up real good. Well, the confession's good for the soul. I feel a lot better right now. I don't even remember what I was saying. Yeah, my dad could just listen and and, and not hear, and so do saints. Amen. You see, hearing of the word is more important. I mean, there's more to it than just sound waves. Amen. It's a hearing. It's a receiving. It's getting it in here. It's getting it from out there into here. You see, the Word is more than just printed printed ink, amen, on paper. The Word of God, the Bible said, is living. And it is not just living, but it is powerful. And it is sharper than any two-edged sword. You think about the sharpest two-edged sword that you've ever seen. The Bible said the word is sharper than that. And it has the ability to pierce to the dividing asunder of joints and marrow and soul and spirit. And it is the discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. And that's why people can sit in a sanctuary and hear the preacher preach and go to the pastor afterwards and say, You told that man everything about me, didn't you? When the pastor hadn't said anything to the visiting minister, it's simply the Word of God having the ability to discern the hearts and the intentions of that individual. How many times, brother, have I had a pastor shake my hand and say, Brother, you dealt with issues that I've been preaching to. And And, and it's not because this evangelist is so smart. It's because of the power of the living Word that's able to fill the place. Brother, I'm going to tell you what. When I think about it, when I go to places and I think about churches that have been around for years and the Word of God that's been preached week after week after week after week after month after year and it's still being preached today, my Lord, this place is full of the living Word of God. And furthermore, this has been a bad day for the devil. Because when I got up this morning about 6.15... Amen. I, I was thinking just a little bit later than that. Fifteen minutes before I ever got up this morning, I've got friends in, in, in eastern side of Canada that was already 15 minutes into church. And the Word was just about to be preached. And somebody had already started an hour before that. And then and then an hour after that, my brother in, in the eastern region of the United States, they started church. And and they began preaching the Word of God. And then an hour after that, back home at our home church, somebody else started. And the Word of God went forth. And then an hour after that, over in the mountain region of the United States in Arizona, the Word of God began to preach. And, and then, amen, we got in here and we started. Started having church, and, and shortly after I got back from the restaurant, and I got a phone call back from home, and here's a man that's a choir director and assistant pastor where we used to be, and he said, I'm on my way to church, and it's starting all over again. I'm going to tell you there's been so much word uh, that's gone forth this day and around the world, uh, and now it's double time. Old devil's trembling. It's been a bad day for the devil. <laughs> Woo. We think, boy, if we could get this specialized ministry through. Amen. Somebody that could tell everybody their social security number. Ah, I see you. Now I know the Lord works in different ways, and please, I'm not making light of you. Can I tell you a story and you want to be offended? You know, just kind of lighten your atmosphere just a little bit here. I heard of a preacher. Anybody ever heard of Brother Alan Oggs? Yeah. Was he here before? No, okay, I, I misunderstood. They, they said, they said, now I wasn't up there. I didn't see it, but they said that he was at a conference. You know, Brother Oggs, and I don't say this. I met Brother Oggs. Brother Oggs preached in our church there in De Quincy. He was afflicted. I believe he had cerebral palsy or something of that matter and affected his speech and his mobility, but yet he overcome great odds and became president of a, of, a, of a Bible college and so many other things that he did. Wrote a lot of books, great preacher. But they said he came in contact with one of these so-called prophets one day. And he said they got on the elevator together or he got on the elevator and the guy was there. And Brother Oggs looked at him and he said, I know you. You're, and he called his name. He said, you're a prophet. You call people out and tell them all about themselves and who they are and what's wrong with them. And the guy said, yes, God uses me in that way. And he said, and what's your name, sir? He said, oh, no, you tell me what my name is. <laughs> Now, now, I wasn't there, but I was told that that happened, all right? Can I qualify that? Amen. But what are you trying to say? You know, th- this, this world is crazy about that kind of stuff. I mean, if we could get the guy that must have the worst breath in the world to come blow on us. Just people fall out. After that garlic-flavored salsa I ate this afternoon, I might could do an impersonation myself. (laughs) You know, somebody's looking at me. You didn't like what I just said. I'm sorry if that offended you. Here's the point I'm trying to make. This world is looking for something that, you know, if I could pull something out, oh, and tell you something significant about you that, that happened when you were six years old. And there would be people, I remember, I may have told you all this. I know I said it recently. I've been to many places lately. I don't know what I've said where. But anyhow, amen. They was having such a revival in one particular place. They said, you've got to come out and see it. The oil is running out of the piano. Well, I've got a question. How does that bring glory to God? All that requires is, is new Carpet. But see, the world is so drawn by that kind of thing. Something spectacular. Let somebody come back from the dead and talk to me and talk to my loved ones, and then they'll be saved. I've just got an old message here tonight. And the old message is the same one that's been preached from down through the years. And that is, if people are going to be saved, it's going to be because they heard the word, because they believed it, They received it to their heart. They obeyed it. They came to an altar. They lived according to the word of God. My friend, there's nothing more powerful. There's nothing more powerful than the word of God. I said there's nothing more powerful than the word of God. How does that go? Something he upholds his word even above his name. Hallelujah. This word of God is what we're going to be saved by. Oh, man, i, I got convictions about this word. Hey, man, I don't like to even lay a pencil on top of this word of God. There's nothing higher than this word of God. I got conviction. I don't want to even lay this word of God down on the floor. If I don't have anywhere to put it, I'm going to hold it in my lap. Now, I'm not setting that as a standard for you, but I think there ought to be a realization that there's something more to this than leather and and paper and ink. This is our policy. This is our plan. This is the way God's going to save us. By somebody preaching. By somebody preaching. By somebody, preach it. Oh, clap your hands. Give the Lord great praise right now. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, my friend, there's power. There's power in this word. Remain standing. Rest your musicians, if you would come. Ezekiel chapter 37, he said, The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he carried me out in the Spirit of the Lord. And set me down in the midst of a valley which was full of bones. And he caused me to pass by them round about. And behold, there were very many in the open valley. And lo, they were very dry. And he said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, thou knowest. Again, he said unto me, prophesy upon these bones. And say unto them, Oh, ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. <laughs> and I won't read the rest of it, but that old preacher got to preaching. And he said, Oh, ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. And where there was very dry bones scattered across the valley, when the word began to be preached, those bones began to come together. Amen. And then he said, but there was no breath in them. The bones came together. There was sinew on the bones. There was muscle. There was tissue. But there was no breath. And so he said, preach to the wind. And he said, oh, wind, hear the word of the Lord. And that wind began to blow across that valley. He man and breathed and blew across those men, that army that was laying there. And life came into them and they rose up in exceeding, the Bible said, an exceeding great army where nothing had been except a pile of dry bones and not even a pile, but scattered. Where nothing had been but scattered, parched bones now stood an exceeding great army. Why? Because of the preached word of God. I want you to stop just for a minute and I want you to look around you. Come on, look around you. See those folks around you? There was a day when all of our lives were nothing more than parched, dry bones. We were dead, the Bible said, in trespasses and sins. (laughs) But we've been quickened. We've been made alive. How did it happen? Did it happen because somebody... We went to a palm reader somewhere. He did it happen? Because, I'll tell you how it happened. Because one day, we came to a church. Somebody opened the Bible. And the anointing came down. And the Word was preached. And we felt a tug in our heart. And we came and bowed in an altar. And repented of our sins. And the preacher kept on preaching. And we went to the water in baptism in Jesus' name. And the preacher kept on preaching. And the wind of the Spirit began to blow through our lives. And we became a living creature. Praise God, Brother Toby. Amen. He said, I feel like a brand new man. And what used to be dead, and what used to be hopeless, and what used to be lifeless, now we're part of an exceeding great army. The army of the Lord. I'm going to tell you, when you need a word, when we need a word, we don't need to pull up T.D. Jakes on the internet. man we I, I saw that lady man of God's going to be in Tacoma here right away. I saw it on the billboard Lady man of God <laughs> no when we need direction for our lives when we need salvation, when we need to be uplifted, when we need strengthening, when we need healing, what we need to do is even when we don't feel like it. Just get our little family together and say, hey, I don't know what we're going to hear tonight, but I got confidence that my pastor's been in the presence of the Lord. And when I get to the house of God He's going to open that book And it may be a Wednesday night Bible study or It may be a Sunday evangelistic service But whatever it is I've got confidence He's going to be preaching to me The word of God And that word of God brings life And that word of God brings strength And so I come asking somebody today As we close our eyes and bow our heads What are you waiting on to happen in your life? Just let Lazarus go back from the grave and visit my five brethren. That'd shake them up. That'd get their attention. He said, no. They've got the Word. They've got the opportunity to go to the synagogue." and hear Moses and the prophets. And my friend, don't wait. Don't wait until terrorists breach the American national security and explode a dirty bomb in Seattle or Houston or Los Angeles or New York City before you think it's time to pray. Don't, don't wait until America has lost her position as number one in the world and some other nation has taken that cloak. Don't wait until until the Muslim population has increased to such a degree in the United States of America that they can elect a president, senators and congressmen and change the laws of our land. Don't wait till all that. Don't wait till some kind of significant earth-shattering, I'm going to tell you, there can't be anything more earth-shattering or more impacting in your life than this Word of God. He said if they won't hear Moses and the prophets, nothing else is going to get their attention. What you're waiting on today? What is it that you're waiting on today? It's right here. This Word is reaching for your heart. It has the ability to find that dividing point between soul and spirit. I can't imagine where that is, but the Word knows where it is, and it can get right there. Joints and marrow, it can find it. And you're feeling the tug of the Spirit and the Word in this place tonight. As the church begins to pray, I wonder if there would be one or two or more that would step out from where you are and Make your way quickly up this aisle and bow your knee at this altar and say, oh God, I want the Word to affect my life. I don't want it to take tragedy. I don't want it to take some kind of traumatic event. I want to be reached. I want to get in the vehicle that you designed to save me. What about it, friend? It's just a few steps to an altar. It's just a little way. Fear the Lord is reaching for you right now.